Student loans suck, and so does inflation. And a coming recession sucks too. But guess what? It's all here. Just like my hairline, it's here and you can't change it. So let's not be paralyzed by this. And certainly, let's not let old opinions about these things keep you from living your best life. You can do something about this, especially when you realize that what you think you know, it could be wrong. And maybe it's not as bad as you think. So it's time for some Rogaine for your economic soul. And let's take the fear out of student loans and you buying a home. Let's do this. What is up, homies? It's David Sedoni, your happy and bald, fearless friend. This is part two of the student loan information. With student loans making the headlines recently, I thought it'd be a good time to revisit the topic. Now, there's some deeper information on this that I did way back when, way before we were talking about loan forgiveness and stuff. But it's in episode 23. There's lots of information on student loans, which is actually part five of the big old seven part series on how to financially prepare to buy your home. And if you haven't listened to that series yet, well, uh, you best, because <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast about, you know, buying a home, I'm just going to assume that you're not going to be buying the home cash. So perhaps you're looking for a few tips. Here's a big one. You need money to buy a home. So go listen to the series on how to financially prepare to buy your home, which starts at episode 19 and episode 23 has some of this student loan stuff. In the last episode, we talked about who qualifies for the new student loan forgiveness. And I definitely urge you to go ahead and check the government websites because things may have changed since I dropped that episode. And this will be for those of you who don't qualify for the forgiveness or maybe your forgiveness doesn't wipe out your entire loan. I know there's still a lot of you that are going to need to figure out how to buy a home even after you get your freebie from the government. As usual, I researched the crap out of this. And even though I never had a student loan myself at 52 years old with kids going into college, getting ready to start their experience in two to six years, this information is going to be more for them than me. What, did you think I was going to pay for their college? I do a podcast where I give stuff away for free. So the first thing I did was go back and look at some of my older research, and I continue to look at some of the newer stuff. There's some great stuff from Adam Carroll. He's been a guru that's been fighting for the whole student loan rights and helping people figure out how to make them work for you. He's been doing it for years and years and years. And then, of course, I checked with a whole bunch of websites, my lovely friends over at NerdWallet. So here's some great tips to help you understand how your student loan is going to affect your buying power. And then I'll give you some tips to improve that power and eventually perhaps look for ways to pay off your loan in full. Probably the big thing I think is that people, first of all, think that student loans absolutely negate you from buying a house. That's not completely true. I've had plenty of people with student loans that still figure out a way to buy their first home. So yeah, a student loan does affect how you can buy a house though, both in indirect and direct ways. So here's what it does. Student loans make saving for a down payment more difficult. That's the obvious and simple one. If you got to pay out every month, it's going to be tough for you to save it for the down payment. And then if you do end up being able to buy a home with a student loan, the mortgage payments are going to be harder to handle once you're a homeowner because you still have that payment you have to send out. 
But fortunately, you're going to figure out all those numbers before you move forward buying a home. One of the other big ways is debt to income ratio. Our good friend DTI. If you're new to the podcast and you're not a homie, go back and listen to some of the other stuff on the whole getting a loan, qualifying for a loan, applying for a loan. DTI debt to income ratio is a big part of how the whole buying a home works. It's going to be affecting what you qualify for, your ability to qualify for a mortgage, as well as the rate that you're able to get. And of course, finally, a student loan is like any other payment. If you miss that payment, that's going to affect your credit score and the credit scores affect your whole home buying power. But consistently paying it on time, that can also boost up your credit score. So that's one way it can work for you. Okay, so how's it work? How do you address all these things that happen with a student loan and still be able to get a loan to buy a home? Here are some tips. Student loan payments can hinder the savings, but most Americans, and I'm assuming the Canadians too, since Americans are freaking world champs at getting into debt, and we seem to export all of our crap to you Canadians, while you guys are super awesome and only give us these really great comedians, along with being very polite and maple syrup. So let's just say that North Americans in general, that they have a real big problem with saving money. And of course, I know it can be super tough to try to save money while you're paying off debt. That is a tough balancing act. Now, this is probably one of the biggest lessons that I need to start with all of my homies and all the people all across the country trying to buy a home. It's figuring out how to pay off your debt while saving at the same time. This is always a big one, figuring out what's the percentage, what's the balancing act between those two things. And like most things in life, the answer is usually somewhere in the middle. Ooh, that brings me to a really good side note tip. Here we go. Side note, don't just blindly pay down your debt in huge chunks because you think that's the right thing to do. You need to make sure that you have an experienced pro guiding you and making sure that you're getting the right plan. A unicorn team helping you months and months, maybe even years ahead of time, is going to help you build strategically the right things to do if you get money from family or a big tax refund, making sure that you pay down the debt that you need to pay down. Because I'm not risky, but I'm telling you, sometimes you don't have to pay down all of your debt. Sometimes you can balance your finances and you can pay down a good portion of your debt and then take the rest and put it in savings because that savings is going to be the key to get you to be able to buy a home sooner rather than later. And the reason you want to do that is if you're in a market that's appreciating, prices are going up and because your rent stinks and you need to get out of that as soon as possible. You see, sometimes it's a balancing act and the math works in your favor. And I understand it's really simple to just pay everything down and then go, okay, now I'm ready to go. But you may end up saving more money if you find the right strategy. And isn't paying your student loan back super fun while your old college is simultaneously asking you to contribute to their alumni fund? <laughs> I know that'll often stop people in their tracks from even looking into their ability to buy a house because that sometimes I can kind of piss you off. But here's the first big tip. You don't need 20% down to buy a home. And if you think you do, you must not be a how to buy a homie. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the Dave Ramsey episodes. Also, side note again, don't forget if you're military, you can do this for zero down. Next, student loans add to your debt to income ratio, which affects how much you can afford. Now, the debt to income ratio, let's get deep into it. It's how lenders look at how much debt you already have based on a monthly payments, the monthly 
payments. Very important to understand that. Not gross debt, but based on how much you have to pay each month to each creditor. And then they're going to compare that to your pre-tax monthly income. If you work seasonal or you get overtime, it's going to be calculated all together. They're going to add everything up annually and then divide it by 12. Make a sense? Good. It's basic math. I hope so. So you're going to be looking at your income versus your monthly debt. The more debts you have taking out of your income, the higher your DTI will be. A lot of people say you want a debt to income ratio of around 36 to 33%. That's ideal. But with government-based mortgages like FHA loans, you can get approved with a DTI of almost up to 50%. So look, a lot of people are going to talk to you about trying to reduce your debt so that you can have a lower DTI. And a lot of people are going to talk to you about debt reduction programs. And you know what? They've got great intentions. But actually, you may have tons of other options that you've never considered. Most of these debt reduction programs, they're going to give you the basic, simple, pound it away, go hard at it, and eliminate it all. And that's great, but you need to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. You know, I've seen people who are trying to get a home loan, and I've seen their approval maximum improve by $100,000 by keeping a $50,000 student loan and paying off a $20,000 car instead. If that sounds weird to you, remember, it's not gross, it's monthly payment. If the car monthly payment is $700 and the loan monthly payment is $200, reducing that student loan by $20,000, that's not going to do very much to your DTI ratio. But by selling the car and then buying a used one cash, thus eliminating a $700 a month payment, well, that's hugely going to lower your debt income ratio. 700 bucks off of your monthly output. And that means you're going to get $700 worth of more home, which in this case was close to $100,000 worth of more home approval. So guess what? You should always check with the pro because sometimes if you've got a large loan, the big student loan payment, sometimes they actually counted at only 1% of the gross amount of your loan against your debt to income ratio. But to get the details on that, that's something that you need to ask a local unicorn mortgage broker for each individual, and that's going to help you with your own personal details. One of the other things that people do to student loans that I see a lot of people asking about is refinancing your student loans. Now, that's a good way to help reduce your debt-to-income ratio, but it does add a line of credit to your credit report, and that may extend your repayment timeline. So it could be a quick answer for now, but it might mean that you have this going for a long time. And that sounds like it sucks, like making your debt a longer burden. But as I've shown through my super intoxicating and riveting, exciting episodes with lots of math, yay math. If you're looking to buy a home in the 21st century, you got to do all that math. Debt sucks. Debt is bad. Debt can control you. But if you're in a situation where you're thinking about buying a home, if you can control your debt, that might be better than paying the stupid rising rents that you can't control. So first, you have to feel like you're in control of the debt, and then you can control the situation. Now, that's just one man's opinion. Of course, it's an opinion backed by pages and pages of facts and data and math, but it's still one man's opinion. 
So if you're thinking about buying a home at the same time, you're thinking about refinancing your loan, or you're thinking about using the refinancing of the loan to get yourself set up to buy a home, make sure you ask your unicorn mortgage professionals first, because sometimes you may take a credit dip and you're going to need some time to get that positive payment history rebuilt. All the more reason why I say get your unicorn team in place early months, if not a year before you're ready to buy. Next time you sign a lease, see what you can do to make that your last lease ever by starting working on it the day you sign that lease. As I always say. Now, here's a question I get a lot. Should you pay off your student loans before you buy a house? The answer to that question is not a one-size-fits-all answer. But the fact that you know that you may not have to pay off your student loan and still qualify to get a home loan means that having student loans should not be your deterrent to at least asking the question. You don't know what you don't know. Don't use having a student loan as an excuse not to ask, and most importantly, not to start planning. The sooner you start a plan, the better your options when you're ready to buy. Getting repetitive again if you listen all the time, but I urge you, don't do this on your own. Or you can miss some key tips and tricks or, hell, just regular old options on how to buy a house that you didn't know were available to you. I've been doing this podcast for three and a half years, and I still see today that 38% of home buying age people and home buying income people, 38% still think they need 20% down to buy a home. Yeah, 38%. I could imagine the stats if they were trying to figure out who knew you could buy a home while you still had a student loan. Hey, did you know that you can do this to lower or change or better your student loan? Or did you know that you could actually still buy a house if you had a student loan? I guarantee you that stat would be higher than 38%. And the sooner they start planning, the better options they're going to have for themselves. And with your credit score, this is a really cool thing because you're already paying it off. And remember, payment history is going to make up 35% of your FICO score. So the credit bureaus, as well as your mortgage lenders, they're going to want to see a history of online payments. So you got that going for you. And consistently paying off your student loans, that's going to help increase and strengthen your score. And it even helps with credit mix. I love that one. Credit mix. Mix it up. Remix. And of course, if you miss a payment, well, that sucks. Don't do that. Missing payments is going to knock your credit score. And we obviously don't want to do that. So what are some of the things you can do if you didn't get the government freebie handout or you just need to work on your debt that you racked up during your haze, that four, five, six year break from reality that we call college? Well, first up, a general hack is to figure out ways to pay it off faster. Student loans, like a mortgage, they're interest front loaded. That means all the interest is packed into the front of the loan and it accrues daily. Now, this information on how to knock this down, this comes from, like I said, the student loan guru, Adam Carroll, and he knows his stuff. As soon as the money that you have borrowed is dispersed, the interest begins accruing on non-subsidized loans. That is why the amount that you owe is so much larger than what you actually remember borrowing. It includes all of the interest from while you were in school. 
In reality, the first few years, less than half of your payments actually go towards knocking down the principal. The rest just goes to cover the interest. Because that interest is accruing daily, lowering your balance is paramount to shorten the length of your loan and the amount that you pay in interest, thus the amount that you pay overall. So when you're talking to your unicorn team about your new mortgage payments, you need to keep this in mind so you can structure a quicker payoff on your student loans so that you can then free up your monthly income and eventually transfer that extra money once it's paid off over to your home payment. And then who knows, maybe even down the line, you could do the same thing with your home, assuming that you want to stay in the home for the long term and you want to reduce how much you pay overall for the house. Boring math alert. So this is how your interest rate is calculated. It's based on this equation, interest rate times current principal balance divided by the number of days in the year equals daily interest. There. Wasn't that fun? So by you sending in your additional payments, you're going to lower your current principal balance, thereby lowering the daily interest charge. So if you're in a position to send in extra money with your payments, make sure you do the following tips. One, make absolutely certain that your advance payments are being applied to the principal of your loan and not applied to future loan payments. Here's the trick about student loan servicers. Well, the trick is they suck. They are notorious for doing what's in their best interest and not yours. Just what you want to hear. People want to take advantage of you. Yeah, so just be ready for it. When you send in the extra money without specifically telling them that you want it to go to your principal, they're going to apply it to the next month and offset your next payment with that money so they can keep collecting all that fatty interest. So you're more than likely going to have to call the servicer directly and make sure that they apply the extra in the payment to the principal. Tell them, I want the extra to go to the principal reduction. The second tip when you're sending in those additional payments, direct the server to apply the additional principal to either the loan with the highest interest rate or the loan with the smallest loan balance. Now, you want to be in control of your debt, so you're going to have to pick one based on your individual debt reduction plan. Oh, you don't have one of those? Well, you should get one. By paying down the loan with a higher interest rate, you're automatically charged less in interest because of the equation that we just did. Math, math, math. So why would anyone choose anything else if that one's going to reduce the payment and reduce how much you're going to pay overall? Well, if you're doing one type of debt reduction that people have talked about, it's called the snowball method. What you want to do in the snowball method is kill off the small ones first. More on that in a minute. And number three, the third thing you can do is there's a simple outline for a plan to reduce your student loan debt faster. Remember, the whole debt reduction versus saving when you're trying to buy a home is a balancing act. So there's no one formula for everyone. There's not one formula that's best for all the people who are trying to buy a house. A lot of people think, well, 50% extra and 50% to savings. That sounds cool. But what if you already have the 7% in savings and that's enough for a 3 or 5% down payment plus your closing costs? But you're in a situation where your student loan monthly payment is pretty high, so that needs to be paid down so you can max out your home loan approval. Well, maybe you should be looking at 90% extra to pay down that student loan debt and only 10% extra into the savings since you already have enough there. 
But you're in a situation that the current market has prices going up and mortgage interest rates going up. And so you want to buy as soon as possible and maximize your loan approval max. So you want to get things going on that debt ASAP. Moving on to the next tip, it's consolidating your college loans. Now, a lot of college loans are divided up between several different loans. So lots of people think that consolidating the loans into one big loan and making one smaller payment is the fastest way to become eligible for a home loan. Now that makes perfect sense, but like everything else that makes sense and is logical, there's a better way. Consolidation can be great if you're able to lower your interest rate substantially, lowering that interest rate is obviously gonna lower the overall amount that you're gonna be paying over time. However, as the name suggests, you're taking all of your separate loans and consolidating them, putting them together into one big loan that can never be adjusted again. So by not consolidating and paying off your small balances first, the loans you have with the smaller balances, attacking each one of them individually, you can direct additional payments to one loan at a time and knock them out. And you can get rid of them sequentially and relatively quickly. Now, here's why that's important. Let's say you owe $40,000, all right? That's what you got left. And your total payment is $300 a month. You're probably more than likely to have that loan divvied up a little bit. And you maybe have some smaller loan balances that are part of the overall payment that you're sending in, that 300 bucks. If the loan balance on one of the smaller loans is like, let's say it's $1,000 and you're on a 15 or 20 year payback schedule, the amount of that 300 bucks that's going to the principal for that $1,000 loan, it might only be eight or $12 a month. But if you had an additional $200 a month on top of your $300 payment and you sent it in and you directed them to make sure that that took care of the principal on that $1,000 loan, you could knock that thing out in five months. Adam Carroll says this, would you rather toast a piece of bread with a flashlight or a laser beam? When you blast away at one debt at a time, you're taking a laser beam approach to each individual debt. This can be a plan rather than consolidating. Pay the minimum on every other loan that you have and focus your sights on that one smallest loan. Laser beam that one. Now, this is also awesome because it can help you feel like you're getting some wins. You feel like you're in this losing battle. You can watch as that Instead of looking at that big number, trying to get rid of it, you could be taking little shots at those little numbers, laser beams, pew, 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 pew. Yes, I just said pew, pew, pew. I don't know about you, but pew, 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 that creates a tremendous emotional win for me. Find your own pew, pew, pew. Now, that's what I was talking about earlier. This is known as a snowball effect, because as you keep knocking out the smaller loans, it's like a snowball going downhill and you gain momentum and extra cash each month that you can put towards the larger loans as you eliminate the smaller ones. If you've got multiple loans, this is probably perhaps the biggest and best hack that I've ever heard about. And there are lots of different gurus that teach this. And what happened is the consolidation loan companies, they're paying big bucks to advertise to you and dissuade you away from this technique. These are not the loans that you're looking for. They want to make you think consolidation is the best way to get rid of the hole that you feel like you're dug in. They sell you the idea of lowering your rates and getting this big, fat, low interest rate and lowering your payment. But for many of you, if you get yourself on your own program and you stick to it, which is a little bit of planning, you can do this. 
Where have I heard that before? And when it comes to revolving credit cards, I have seen the credit card consolidation companies make millions helping people who got into trouble with credit cards. You know, when people were young and dumb, yours truly included, and racked up their credit cards. And so now they're in this tough spot because they're paying off multiple high interest revolving credit cards and they're trying to figure out how to get rid of them and reduce all the interest rates. But no one talks about when you consolidate all these loans together, how it crushes your credit history because you have to immediately close all those accounts that you built. Granted, you built it when you were being young and dumb and you spent wrong on them, but history's history. Now, do some people still need this and is it a better play for them to do a consolidation? Sure. Maybe the interest is killing you. But for many people, if you use the snowball laser beam technique, middle of the road people who made some silly mistakes and they can knock these out one at a time, keeping the cards open and paying them off sometimes is better for your credit score in the long run, especially if you've got a big purchase coming up and you need that badass credit score. So that same principle can apply to your student loans. And then we get to how to use real estate to help you knock down your student loan. This gets into the good stuff. So first of all, if you can lock into a modest first home, that's approximately the same mortgage as your current rent. You're going to have a fixed monthly payment instead of a rising rent monthly payment. And then as years go on, you can use the extra money that you're going to get by saving on that payment because your rent's not going to go up. So, OBS, you guys knew I was going to say that. But why am I telling you that? Well, because I read a stat that 17% of student loan borrowers are still paying back their student loans in their 50s. So imagine renting all the way in your 50s. If you feel like maybe you're going to be part of that 17%, you're in your 20 or 30s, imagine 20 or 30 years of rent hikes. Maybe it's time for you to do a little compromise and just get into a home as soon as you can so you don't turn into one of those people. Okay, and for the other 83%, here's some great ideas for you. What about house hacking? I get so many people that reach out to me that want to buy a bunch of investment properties first before they own their own home because where they live is just so expensive and they never feel like they're going to be able to buy. Now, I've talked about this before. I'm down if you want to do that. Rock on. But you best know what you're doing because in general, I find that most people who get frustrated because they can't afford a home in their specific area and they start thinking about buying other properties and airbnb them or renting them to other people, this can be a pie-in-the-sky plan. And a lot of times, these same people are better off taking a year or two planning for themselves, hunkering down on how to eliminate their own rent forever rather than trying to cash flow a few hundred dollars a month from rent from somebody else. So let's say your student loan is holding you back. And so you can't buy that dream house, that four bedroom, two and a half bath with a pool and the picket fence and in the nice part of town. Well, instead of looking around and thinking about buying other properties, maybe you can house hack for a few years. So instead of looking around and thinking maybe you should buy an investment property first, or maybe you should wait a couple of years. What if you did a little bit of a compromise and you house hacked instead of just continually saving your money while you're throwing your money your way on rent? Think of it this way, renting is wasting money, but with a solid plan, maybe you can eliminate your student loan in two years, and then you'll be approved for your dream home. Or what about finding out what you're approved for today with the student loan? It might not be the big home you're wanting, 
but maybe it could be something you could get into and start the process. Or maybe even using a co-signer, if you're lucky enough to have some family that also see renting this long in this market can be a big waste. So what if you figure out that you can buy not the dream home, but maybe a three bedroom home or maybe a town home or maybe a condo, and then you can rent out a room. You can lock in that fixed monthly payment and you can use the extra rent that you collect to pay down your student debt. And then we get into house hacking advanced. Did you know that a duplex can be purchased using an FHA loan when the person buying the duplex is living in one of the units. Now, an FHA loan you can do for as little as 3.5% down. That's 3.5% down payment for you to buy a duplex. And if you're handy, you can even look into buying a fixer-upper and get an even better price. And remember, that other unit is for a renter, so it doesn't have to be fixed up to the most gorgeous place ever. It's just someplace for a renter to live in, so as long as it's in decent shape, most of the time, renters are less picky. Now, with either one of these house hacks, the income from your renter, it frees up you and your money, and you can blast away at your debt. House hacking is going to open tons of doors for you to grow, both literally in years and also as you grow financially. Now, I understand right now the idea of a roommate might not feel awesome to you. It might feel like a step back. But if you make that compromise and you become a landlord with a fixed monthly mortgage, as your career grows and as you make more money, instead of putting extra money away into savings while you're continuing to pay a landlord and you stay a renter, you're going to be collecting extra money to be able to pay down your own debt and all, all of your largest monthly payment every single month, that rent payment, which you turn into a mortgage payment, goes into a forced savings account, your property. The bottom line with student loans is they are not home buying dream crushers. Not for everybody. And if you decide, just decide that it is a crusher for you without actually asking a professional, well then, I don't know what to tell you. Enjoy your rent hikes. Have fun. Love you, but we all don't know what we don't know. There are different ways around, over, and through student loan debt, and it might require you to be more proactive. Maybe live on a little bit less and maybe take a tightening two-year plan so you can enjoy the next 50 years of your life. And most importantly, make sure that you're using everything available to you. Look into house hacking instead of immediately jumping into your dream home. Things have changed and we need to change with it. Compromise, savings, budget, perseverance. These are not scary or unfun words. So there's a lot of information there. So let me finish up with an analogy. Here's an analogy for you. So imagine saving money is drinking. If you are currently right now paying these insane rents and you've got debt, well, then what you're doing, if you're not attacking that debt in a controlled, smart manner, well, then you're drinking to blackout drunk four times a week and just hoping that things are going to get better. God bless you for living your best life and not letting the boomers hold you down. Way to go. Now, I'm not some old man drink telling you to suck it up like we did back in the day. I am suggesting that perhaps instead of getting blackout drunk four days a week, perhaps you just tie one on a couple of Fridays a month instead of going for blackout drunk 
four times a week. Again, if you've got debt, not doing anything is like drinking four days a week and thinking that everything's okay. And in this current inflationary environment with unaffordable housing and a looming recession, if you're doing nothing, you're actually downing fireballs like a sorority girl or a frat boy four times a week. College is over, gang. Time to be a grown-up. Time for some adulting. And if you don't believe me, check your student loan balance. Doing nothing right now about the debt that you have is actually doing something. And it's in the negative and you're losing money. That's the something that you're doing. If you're doing barely something, it's actually doing nothing and you're just breaking even. That's blacking out just every Friday and Saturday night if you're barely doing something. But doing something with a budget and saving. Now, that's cool. And you can still hit the happy hours every once in a while. Go home after just a couple of drinks. And then you can still go big once or twice a month. You can still live your life. I'm just saying, don't be a blackout drunk four times a week or every Friday and Saturday. Because doing nothing is something. And it's the bad something. So instead, do a good something. And you can still maintain a life balance still hit the happy hours, and still get trashed a couple of times a month. Now, this is where I might say that I have nothing more to say about something, but you homies know me better than that. I always have more to say because the more I repeat the stuff to you, the better chance that you're going to see all the tips and the tricks and the hacks, and you can live your best life and live up to your full potential. Learn the game, plan your strategy, and beat the system. You can do this.